Can we give it up for our worship team? Come on, man. Listen, if you had to do what they had to do, you probably wouldn't have done it as good as they did it. So you got to give it up for them. They did a great job. Um, I, I want to thank Pastor and Mrs. Hagen and uh, Pastor Denise. Uh, love the opportunity to, to get a chance to speak. Um, you know, I, I sing here all the time, but to have the opportunity to speak is such a, such a wonderful thing. And then I just want to start off this message by saying, Happy New Year. It's February, right? In February, it seems to have come really fast. It seemed like just yesterday, we were like, welcome to 2024. And so it's, it's amazing how fast the year has gone. It's amazing what's happened. And then what I love already is what, what Pastor Hagen has done for us is he's given us a position. He's given us a vision of what this, what this year is going to be. And he's talked to us about the, this the year of more, that 2024, the year of more. And, and, and I wasn't going to say this, but, but I feel like I need to, that, that more is never a word that just works by itself. Right, right, because you, you want it attached to something, so you want to know what you're getting more of, right? You know, you get more peanuts, like, oh, great, it's a year of more peanuts. Like, you, you want to make sure you know what the more is, and so generally, that's why you love John 10.10, because it's more abundantly, the more is attached to something. And so I believe that it's super important then for us to do what? Like if, if this is the year of more, man, I got to get ready for more. And so the, the title of my, of my message tonight is The Position of More. And to put ourselves in a position to where we can receive, where we can get what God has for us. The position of more. How many, how many, how many of you are, are quick shoppers? Raise your hand if you are a quick shopper in here. You know what you want and you just go get it and you get out. Yeah, that's the, the rest of us are in trouble, right? Because how many of you, like you go in for two things and you walk out with five? Yeah, right, right. And so, so if you've ever been in that, in that situation where you walk into the grocery store, you go into the grocery store, you pick up, you, you pick up, you're there to pick up two things, but then along the way you see this, you're like, oh man, I got to get some of that. And then you were like, oh wait, I got to get some of that. And like, please don't go down the bread aisle because you always need bread, right? There's never a time you don't need bread. And so you go, and, and, if, you, and if you weren't thinking about it, and if you felt confident enough that you were only going to pick up two things, you may have forgot to get a cart. And so what happens is that you're like, you're walking with all your stuff, right? And you got it in this awkward position, and you're trying to get it, you know, to the counter, and that happens to us so often when it comes to the things of God. We go in, and we expect a couple of things. And then God has more force, right? He has more force. And so generally what happens in that situation, there's three, three positions that we put ourselves in in the situation, at least in that grocery store situation. That the first situation we put ourselves in is we, we put ourselves in a place to where, you know, you know the maybe I, I, I'm not careful with, you know, if I, have you ever dropped the eggs before? Am I the only person to ever drop the eggs? Man, y'all, y'all, okay. I mean, it's just two of us in here. The rest of y'all are good, man. You know, you're grabbing the eggs, you got too many things, pop. Oh, no, got to take that back. Let somebody else get that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just set it there. Let that lucky person pick up those eggs, all right? <laughs> or you drop, you, you, you mess up something. Or there's just some things you can't get, right? Because you just don't have enough to grab it, right? And then the last thing is, is when you realize you got too much, 
And don't you hate it? But you got to walk all the way back to the front of the grocery store, get you a cart and start over again, right? And so that happens to us with the things of God, right? God puts us in positions to get things. And sometimes when he puts us in a position, we're not, we don't have the cart that we, he, he made up, he put a cart right there at the beginning of the journey so that we could get more and we're not coming with the cart. We're not in the right position to get everything we need simply because we didn't expect we was going to get so much. And so th- today I just want to kind of talk about what it means to, to get into that position. But I want to start off with one thing. I want to start off with the idea of positioning because positioning matters to God, right? Whether you realize it or not, God right now is working to get you in a particular position to receive something he has for you. Come on, I want to say that again. I want to make sure you understand that. Whether you realize it or not, God right now, this moment, he's setting you up for the next thing he wants you to have. And he's putting you, getting in the position. Now, it becomes important then for us to get there. And so there are a couple of people that I want to, I want to go back. And I want to go back. I love, I love Old Testament stories because they give us a, a good idea of what happens. And I want to start in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this is, this is such a, a, a wonderful, wonderful story here. And let me give you a little bit of backstory before we're going to go to verse 16. But before we get there, I want to give you a backstory. So the, the first king of Israel, his name was Saul. And Saul, Saul struggled a little bit with his image. He, he, he cared more about how he looked than he obeyed God. And so uh, eventually, you know, there were moments where Saul could put himself in a situation. He didn't look that good. He wanted to look good, but he didn't want to obey God in order to do it. And so finally, God got to the place where he was like, look, I need a king who's going to obey me. And so I'm going to go look for somebody. And so he took that position away from Saul. Now, this is such a wonderful thing, that, that wonderful time that we're in now that we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? Because the Holy Spirit, you know, it's just like that salvation. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so just like that faith that we took out for salvation is the same faith that we know that we follow the Holy Spirit that's within us. Well, back in the Old Testament, it wasn't the Spirit within, it was the Spirit upon and the spirit upon them came with a feeling, right? And so, you know, when it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon them and they, you know, this feeling came upon them and then they were like, oh, I'm going to do something. And so, and so the spirit of the Lord would come upon him. Well, now he's not king anymore. And so that spirit that he used to feel, that used to make him feel good, it's gone. And it's actually tormenting him. And he's going through this, this, this horrible time because he can't get that, that anointed feeling that he used to have when he was anointed to be king. He can't figure it out anymore. And the only time it ever feels right is when worship music is being played. And so when all of a sudden he gets into the presence of God and worship music, he's like, oh, there's that feeling again. I like it. And so, so when we get to verse 16, they're trying to find a person who can play worship music for him anytime he, anytime he needs it so that he can get that feeling. And we get to verse 16, it says, let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play, some, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring, and, and bring him here. 
One of his servants said, oh, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has great judgment, and he's also a fine-looking young man. You know how that last part matters. Like, he looks good too, right? And the Lord said, the Lord is with him. And so Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, the shepherd. The, the significant thing about this scripture and about the positioning of this is if you go back earlier in chapter 16, you will find out that David was anointed to be king. See, when God was looking, come on, because God is always looking, right? It says he seeks people who worship him. That's what, that's what John chapter 4 tells me. It tells me he's looking. He's looking for worshipers. Come on, how many, how many of you he's finding you because you're a worshiper out there? And so he's looking for people who will worship. And so it says he's looking for, he was looking for someone. He was looking for somebody who had his heart. And he found someone. He found David. And here David is, is a shepherd, shepherd boy. And he's, he's anointed him to be king. He's anointed him to be the next king. But can I tell you something that's really neat about David? As you look at this awesome picture of David being the king, here's this amazing thing. is David... At the time, he was a shepherd where guess what he had never done before? Like anything that a king had done. He didn't know anything about it. Like he knew how to take care of sheep. He knew how to be the younger brother. He knew how to do a lot of other things, but to be a king was something he had never known before. And what did God do? Think about this. They were looking for musicians of all the musicians of all of Israel they could have found. Like there was probably a, a, a guy playing a harp right down the road. But of all the musicians that they found, they found the one musician who was anointed to be the next king. See, that's God's positioning, right? That's God putting David in the right place, in the right time, so that guess what? He gets a chance to learn while he's, while he's like, he's playing his harp. And he gets a chance to see the ways of a king. It's the positioning. It's God training David to be a king before his time. It's God's positioning. Let me show you another example of God's position. I want you to go to Judges chapter 14. If you go through the book of Judges, it's just pretty much a continual story over and over again of the people of Israel who decided not to serve God. They get oppressed by a, uh, some nation around them, and then they cry out to God, God, come save us. We will promise we'll change our ways. God will send somebody to come save them. They will follow him for a little bit and then it starts all over again. And so in this particular case, the, the, at this particular time, the Israelites were oppressed by the, by the Philistines. And so the, there was a, 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 a young man named Samson who was set to be the person to come and deliver them. If we go to verse 14 or, ch- or chapter 14, verse 1. It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistines' women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. It's not quite that easy anymore, is it? You know, like, go get her for me. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. His father and mother objected, said, isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked. Why must, you go to the, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. 
His, his mother and father didn't realize that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. This is another positioning moment. Now, this is a little bit different than the David positioning. Because if you go back to chapter 13, you'll find out that the, the whole purpose of the birth of Samson was to be the deliverance of the people of Israel. And so, as Samson is going through his life, I would imagine that at this stage of his life, he might have recognized that he had to give. He might have recognized that he had some things that, that he could give to God, but he did not know what he was called to do yet. And yet, in the middle of this moment, what is Samson doing? He's looking. He's, he's looking for what works for him. And, you know, he did what a lot of guys do. He found a girl. Come on, fellas. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so he, he found a girl. And so, I mean, it was the wrong girl. But what was it? It was an opportunity for positioning to begin a conflict between the Israelites and the Samson, or Israelites and the Philistines, for, them to, for, for him to fulfill his position. Now, as we look at these two things, I want you to follow them. I hope you're still with me. Y'all still with me here? Y'all still with me? And so, so the, 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 the one thing that we want to make sure then that we recognize is there's something different by both of these scenarios. And it's the key word. The key word of this is desire. See, in David's heart, he desired the heart of the Lord. He desired the ways of the Lord. So therefore, it was easier for God to get him in the position to do his purpose simply because his heart was about one thing. God told, told, he told, he told everybody, he says, look, look, I'm looking for a man after my own heart. And when he was looking over all of Israel, he found David. That means David's desire, David's heart was in the right place to where he wanted to follow God. So therefore, for God to put him in the position to be king. Now, can I, can I be a spoiler alert here? Like if you go and you read this story, you'll find out that David didn't just walk into being a king. It went really bad. It went really bad. And so, but even in the middle of that, guess where he stayed attached to? He stayed attached to the heart of God. He stayed attached to, to the heart of God. Samson, on the other hand, he had another thing. He had his own desires. And I want you to, I want you to really catch this. I want you to really catch what I'm saying to you here. Because it, it, at any moment, your desire still could, could determine how much you fulfill of the purpose of God. And the position that you're in. Samson's desire was simple. Man, he liked the ladies, man. Samson was in such a bad spot that, that, that when he had Delilah there, who was pretty positive that she was trying to trick him, right? You know, like, it was pretty evident. When you go read the story and she's like, tell me your secret. And then he tells her the secret. And then she does the secret. And then Philistines come. Like, you fooled me once. Yeah, it's on me. You fooled me twice. Delilah got a couple of those times in, right? And Samson was still there. And so the, the, the reality is that he couldn't see his purpose outside of his own desire. Even at the end, when Samson, Samson who, who in reality never really fulfilled his purpose. His purpose was to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. But he was so caught up in what mattered to Samson so much. That even while he was destroying Philistines, he never fully delivered Israel from the Philistines. 
And even at the moment when he's standing there, his eyes are, he's blinded, and he's standing there with, with his hand between the two poles, and he has an opportunity to destroy more Philistines than ever. You know what his reasoning was? I'm going to get rid of these Philistines because they blotted out my eyes. It was still personal. It was still a personal desire. And I don't know about you, and I don't know if there's ever been a time in your life where you've been trying to walk out the purpose of God. And you're trying to do the things of God, and maybe just a little bit of you gets in the way. I'm just going to say I'm probably the only one that that's happened to, you know, where a little bit of you gets in the way. When I, when I came to Ramah, there was one thought that I had. I was going home. I've been here for a little bit. But the idea was like, man, I'm going home. Like it was, it was, it was not, it was not a question. It was not a question. I was going to go and save the entire state of Ohio and hopefully bleed over into Michigan a little bit and maybe do something to those people up there. I'm sorry if you're from Michigan. But that was the, that was the, that was the whole idea, the whole idea. And so I, I, there was a moment, there was a moment where my desire Come on, you got, you got to hear what I'm saying here. Where my desire mattered more than what God wanted for me. And even though I was in a position, come on, I was in a position to do things that, were, that God wanted me to do, my heart, my, my, my desire was, then, when am I getting out of here? When am I leaving? And I was so caught up in my desire as opposed to God's desire. See, in order for us to receive everything that God has for us, it becomes amazingly important for us to grab a hold of where, uh, of where God is putting us. But it becomes very important for us to know where our heart is. And what does it tell us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21? It tells you that wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so, you know, I, when I went to college, I, I, man, I was, college was, was a great vacation. And so the, the, when I went to college, it was simply one thing for me, man. I had two goals. One, get out of the house. And two, try to make money. I did neither. Well, I did get out of the house. I reached my goals pretty quickly. And then what I was running away from was my purpose. And so this is such a, this is a quick story. Let me just tell you this story. So, so I, 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 you know, I, I go to school, I go to ORU, and, you know, my dad's a minister. And so my thought is like, man, that dude ain't making no money, so I don't want to do what he does. And so I determined within myself, I don't want to be a minister. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to be a lawyer. They make money, don't they? They like to argue. I like to argue. It works. Seems like a pretty good fit. And so I went there with the wrong purpose, with the wrong desire. I went there with the wrong, <laughs> the wrong motive. And so, you know what happened for me? School was very clueless for me. I couldn't find my way to, to save my life. But you know, the one thing that I found there, and this is what's so amazing about the purposes of God, is that I didn't go there as a music major. I didn't go there to do music. But I found myself sitting in a piano room teaching myself how to play a piano. I had no idea. It was, I, was trying to, I thought you could pick up girls like that. So, you know, like... It was a good way to pick up ladies, right? 
What I had no idea, and, and a, few years, a few years back, we were doing graduation. We were doing graduation at, at ORU, and I walk, I walk on campus, you know, as the worship leader. My job, in this month, I'm going to be the worship leader. And I walk on campus, and as I walk on campus, generally I walk at ORU, and it generally fits like a failure. Like, man, I really didn't do that right. I wish I could have did that right. And then that hit me. As I walked on campus, man, I am walking into this space as the worship leader. And it started in that building right over there. That God found a way to still instill his purpose, what he wanted me to do in the future, even in the middle of me being like Samson, lost, not knowing my purpose. And so I found this scripture that, I, that, that whenever, whenever I get lost, whenever I, I, I can't find my way, whenever I don't know which direction I should go, there's a scripture that always keeps me lined up. And that scripture is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Because if there's ever a place where if I could just remember, I need to remember, come on, this isn't about what Dan wants to do. Because Dan has a lot of things that he wants to do. But this has to be about what God wants. And if I can make this about what God wants, I'll be able to find my way. And the first key word in this scripture, it tells you to trust in the Lord. With all of your heart. That key word is trust. I have a, I have a definition here for trust that, that, that I want to give you here. The definition is the reliance on the integrity, the strength, and ability, and surety of whatever that thing is. In fact, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't see everybody when you got here. But I don't think there was anybody who checked this the sturdiness of your seat first before you came in, right? You didn't like bang, you know, okay, let me see. No, no, no. What did you do? You trusted it and you sat down. You thought it was full of integrity. It had the ability to hold you, the surety enough that it would stay up if you were there. You trusted it. And so the, the, this scripture tells me to trust in the Lord with all of my heart, that regardless of what the situation is, I should trust in God. When I think of trusting in God, the one person I always think of is I think of Noah. Because I think to myself, <laughs> like, like, so, you know, you realize that there was never a boat before there was Noah, right? And the, he built one because God told him how to do it. The level of trust that he had to have in order to do, he, you know, if it was me building a boat, I'm going to YouTube to figure out how to build a boat. How to build a boat on YouTube. Somebody's done it, right? There was no YouTube. There was no direction. The only direction that, that Noah had was God. There are two scriptures, and it says this in Genesis uh, chapter 6, verses 22. It says, so Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. If you go to the next chapter in verse, in chapter seven, verse five, it says, so Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. Guess what? There was an amazing amount of trust that Noah had to do exactly what God called him to do. He trusted it. He trusted it. So when God said, I want you to be the first cruise ship zoo that we've ever seen in the history of the world, let's do it. And he put it together and he did it according to how God asked him to do it. And he followed trust in the Lord with all your heart. But then the next part of this says to lean not 
into your own understanding. How many you know? How many of you think you're smart? Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all got to believe in yourself a little bit better than y'all believe in. <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. Like I'm, I ain't raising my hand. <laughs> y'all got to. Somebody in here is smart, right? There we go. There we go. Right. It's so, so no, no matter how smart you are, your intelligence will never reach the place of God. He's so much smarter that we could grab all of us with all of our intelligence, pack it together, bring it on. But like, look, we're going to be so smart and we'll never be smarter than God. And so, so I love this scripture because it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you not to use your own understanding, okay? It's like, it doesn't say be dumb, all right? Like it actually says lean not, which means what? Which means simply there's got to be more to it than what I know. So then let me back up, trust God, and not figure out like I know it all. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Come on, you know we got to say this. Isaiah 55. Eight and nine. I love this. It says, I'm reading this out of NLT. It says, my thoughts are nothing (laughs) like your thoughts. Praise God. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That, 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 no matter on our best day, God knows so much more to do than we do. And so when I take that first step of trust, it's so easy then to take the next step to say, man, I, I don't know. I don't understand all of this. I'm pretty sure there was a couple of times where Noah was like, man, I know, I know how this is going to go. Let's, we, we should put this piece there. And God was like, no, 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 no. Put this here. He had to listen to God. He had to lean not. The example that I have of this is that it's the disciples, man. If you think the disciples spent three years with Jesus and they were listening to him talk about the kingdom every day. It's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God. And they were imagining, in their understanding, they were imagining a kingdom on this earth. Right? Enough, enough. Come on, submission authority class. You know, we just talked about this. They, the, they know it enough, just enough, like, for the, for the, the mom, mom of James and John, like, look, look, I'm going to get y'all in the right spot. And so she came in to get her sons on one side and the other. We're going we're gonna to make sure that, that next to Jesus and then there's James and there's John with the Zebedee family is going to be right. You know, we're going to be up there, right? And, and their mindset, even after all that time, and you know that they would, if, if there was a different understanding, and, and you've heard me say this before, is there a different understanding that in the Garden of Gethsemane, when it was time to pray, if they knew what was happening, well, they wouldn't have been asleep. They would have been praying, God, give him strength to get through this. But they were just waiting for their time when they were going to conquer the world. And when they came and they arrested and they took him away, they, would have, they, they wouldn't have scattered. They'd have been like, yes, this is the moment. This is it. But on their understanding, they saw it as an earthly kingdom. And in God's understanding, he saw it as a kingdom that was going to go all over the earth. The different understanding. That if we, if we lean on what God says... We will find a better way. The last thing it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. 
Have you ever, have you ever acknowledged when, 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 I, when, my, when I was first dating my wife, we would we'd be walking, you know, walking through the mall, and there a guy come by, and be like, what's up? What's up? She'd be like, you know him? I'm like, nope. <laughs> She's like, why'd you say hi? I, I don't know. We just felt like saying hi to each other, right? We're like, what's up, boy? What's up, man? You know, we just, we, what did we do? We acknowledge each other. We didn't even know each other, but we acknowledge each other. And so the, there's three definitions. I could do this really quick. Three definitions of acknowledgement that I want to do. The first definition is to admit to the truth or the existence of. That, the, that if when I'm acknowledging something, that the first thing, especially when I'm acknowledging God, the first thing I've got to admit that, first of all, he is the element of truth. Again, truth is something that in order for me to get closer to, I have to move closer to truth. I can't move truth closer to me. Truth is stationary. So I have to believe that God is true, so I must get closer to him. But then I have to believe that he is. Come on, it talks about this in Hebrews, to believe that he is. And then he is what? A rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek him. And so I must, I must first, in acknowledging, believe that he is. And then I love the second definition. The second definition says to recognize the authority or the validity of that, that the moment that when I'm acknowledging God, I'm recognizing that it's his authority that I'm following. It's his way that I'm following. It's what, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to acknowledge him enough to say, okay, you're in charge. Let me figure out how you want to do this. Your way is more valid than my way. And then I love this last definition, especially as a worship leader, this last definition of acknowledge is to express gratitude and appreciation. That when I acknowledge something, I express gratitude and appreciation. It would help a lot of your relationships if you would just start acknowledging some people in your relationship and express some gratitude and appreciation. And the moment of worship, what are we doing? We're expressing our gratitude and our appreciation towards God. And as we do that, as we acknowledge him, it says what? In all of my ways, I should acknowledge him. In all of my ways, I have to figure out, there there may be a way I'm doing something that's not acknowledging who God is. You know that moment where I'm I'm scared and I'm I'm afraid that this thing is not going to go? That can't be acknowledging God because if he's there and he's the authority, then he must have better control of this situation than I do. So I can't be afraid of it. So let me do this. Let me change this way of being afraid and actually acknowledge God and believe that he's going to handle this situation. That if I'm truly going to acknowledge God, there's some of my ways, there's some of the things that I do that I think, oh man, man this is not going to be, we're, we're, going to, we're going to do it this way. But when I acknowledge God, all of a sudden I find a better way, a better path. Because once you acknowledge him, I love the last part of this. What does he do? He directs your path. He directs your path. That once you acknowledge him. And so, so I, I think back, man, it's 2000, you know, it's 2005, man. I've been shipping and receiving. I'm metering mail. Not exciting at all. God, I'm supposed to be leaving this place. And I'm still here. 
And then, you know what? During that period of time, it was just such a, just a bitterness inside of me. Just unsatisfied. Why? Because I had a way that wasn't God's way. I had a way that was better than God's way. And so as long as I stayed there, then it was hard to find good direction. It was hard to find better positioning. And it was, you know what, Brother Hagin says this, and I know it's so true that in a moment it takes but a second to become willing. And once I realized, like, oh, man, my heart is, my, the, the badness of this situation, of how it feels, has everything to do with me. Why don't I fix that? And it was amazing that the minute I fixed that, how the doors were open in different places and the places where God wanted me to go. And shipping and receiving didn't seem so bad anymore. Actually, hey, can I come back and be in charge of shipping and receiving? I'm still, I'm still in charge of shipping and receiving. So, but the, the, the idea is that, that God then took, put me in positions and I could see, oh yeah, this is, this is right. This is good. Guess what he started doing? He started directing me. He started directing my path. I could count the blessings of God from him directing my path. I could tell you, can I be honest? Because I'd love to be able to stand up here and tell you, man, I never thought I should not, you know, I never not follow God ever again. I'd love to be able to tell you that. But it's not the truth. I still have to come back to this scripture and remember, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, Dan, Acknowledge him so he can direct your path. If you're looking for the perfect position, come on, the perfect position so that you can get the more. Our pastor has declared more for us this year. If you want to be in the perfect position to receive that, trust in God. When he said more, I know half of us thought of what it looked like. We were like, oh, yeah, more big wheels on my truck. (laughs) And we were thinking of all the things that we were going to get. But more could just be more pursuit of him. He may want you to dig in to the word more. He may want to want you to witness to people more. He may want more. (laughs) Come on. When you say you want more, do you want more? Because God's more is way better than yours. Amen? Real quick, I'm going to ask David. Hopefully he's somewhere near where he can come out here. And, 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 and growing up, I grew, I grew up in Ohio, and there, there's a song we used to sing, which is probably the reason why this, this, this scripture is stuck in my head so well. And I love it just simply because it always reminds me that always uh, that moment, there's moments where I have to find myself just singing this song to kind of remind me of this scripture. And I just want to sing it. G, you got it? Esther, I can't hear him. You got to turn him up. So trust in the Lord with all my heart. And lean not to my own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he 
shall direct our path. Trust and hope in the Lord. Can we sing that again? Trust in the Lord. And trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. And all him and he shall direct thy path and trust and hope in the Lord. Can we sing that one more time? Sing it with me. Trust in the Lord and trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean, and lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Trust and hope in the Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. I know that we raised our hands earlier and we said that we were all family, but I learned a long time ago that that even though you're amongst people, that there still may be somebody in here who who needs to receive Jesus. And so if you're in here, can I tell you the, the first step, the first step to being able to, to find the path and to, to gain the more is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so if you're in here tonight and you've said, you know what, I, I've been coming to church, I've been doing this thing, but I've never actually accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We have, a, we have our prayer, prayer workers who are here. And if that's something that you want to do, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come down to these people right here. One of these people down here will walk you through those steps. One of these people will walk you through the path of salvation. And you get a chance to do it. And if it's not a super embarrassing moment, you could do it right at the end of service and come down. But make the best decision that you've ever made in your life in accepting Jesus Christ. For everybody else in here, I just want to encourage you. Follow the plan of God. 2024 is a year of more. And if you're going to get that more, you're going to get it out of his plan. You're going to get it by following him. If you need prayer for anything else, we have these workers down here. Please come down for prayer. These guys will love love to pray with you with any issue that you have. But God is good, amen? Come on, let me say that again. God is good, amen? Prepare ourselves to do what God has called us to do. He's got us on a right path. Amen. Amen. Is there anything else that, I, that we need to go? All right. So remember Wednesday, hour of power. Be here. It's going to be a great time. And we'll see you then.